Welcome to the Conversations with Commerce Next podcast. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, and this podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Commerce Next and presented by Bloomreach. Tapestry, the global house of brands that unites renowned labels such as Coach, Kate Spade, and Stuart Weitzman, attributes its digital strategy transformation success to its culture and its craft. Today on Conversations with Commerce Next, we are thrilled to sit down with the company's chief digital officer, Noam Peransky, to talk about how he's leading Tapestry's digital transformation and innovation, which has yielded 90% plus growth in digital compared to the prior year. After being the senior vice president at Gap Inc., Noam now leads Tapestry's digital innovation agenda and ensures the company delivers an inspiring omni-channel experience through all of its digital touchpoints. Stay tuned for his insights on company culture in a matrix, career trajectories in the digital era, and fostering consumer empathy. You know, having a, a, a vision as a leadership team, right, that we could grow these channels. Yeah, the, like the revenue, like everyone will talk about the sales, but it, it's really about both engagement and, of course, ultimately driving, you know, omni-revenue. Let's listen in now. Welcome to Conversations with Commerce Next Home. You have been leading a really exciting digital transformation at Tapestry, which has yielded some impressive results. I'm so thrilled you could join us today. Thanks for having me. I am joined here with the producer and co-host of Conversations with Commerce Next, Michael LeBlanc. Hi, Noam. Nice to meet you. Where where are we finding you today? Uh, I am in Connecticut today. I'm usually in my below ground layer, but I'm in my above ground layer today, which is a big <laughs> well, upgrade for me. Well, thanks thanks for coming out for us. Well, Noam, you have been immersed in digital retail for the majority of your career. Originally as a consultant, then you went brand side with Gap Inc., and now you're leading digital at Tapestry. Tell the audience about yourself, your background and career, and what you do at Tapestry. So I'm Noam. Uh, I'm a, a Libra. I have a boy and a girl. My wife and I met in college, although we uh, we didn't date in college, but have known each other for a very, very long time. A lot of shared history. Uh, we've got two dogs and two cats. And uh, people love, uh, for whatever reason, my cat's names because my kids uh, named the cat. So we have Bat Cat and uh, Miss Fussy Wiggles. Miss Fussy Wiggles tends to be <laughs> a crowd favorite, a crowd favorite. Um, so yeah, as, as mentioned, I'm in Connecticut. So we live in we live in Connecticut, and uh, yeah, I've been I've been in retail a long time. I think I'm a, a self described retail nerd and and proud of it. And um, you know, I digital is newer ish, right? And and this role of of CDO is newer. So I don't know if there's a, a traditional path to get to this role, but I, I'm told that mine is fairly untraditional. So I can take the audience quickly through it. But um, I started, I studied economics in, in college. I went to, to Emory University. Through twists and turns, I ended up doing this general management program with a couple billion dollar privately held maintenance, repair and operations distributor. And you know who doesn't dream of working in you know, MRO <laughs> supplies and distribution, frankly. Uh, but I did this general management program. So you're in the program for like six or 12 months. Uh, I think mine was, I don't know, six or seven months. And then they give you your first um, management rotation. So that was uh, in the warehouse, which was coveted internally in the company. And I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, but very quickly, I was, I think, barely 21 at that point. Had a team of you know, 20 or so, what I consider to be adults relative to myself at that point. 
And uh, they had seen, you know, many, many versions of me over the years. And so very quickly taught me some basic uh, lessons and and leadership of people with a lot more experience uh, than I had. So it was a great learning opportunity. But after a couple of years in in the you know much ballyhooed MRO uh, space, uh, then then entered retail where I've where I've been for the past you know, 20, 20 or so years. Hey, it's not even my dog barking. This is this is a first. <laughs> but I I, uh, I I took that work that I was doing at the first company around um, DC management. I was doing some uh, initial stuff and in kind of uh, warehouse systems, enjoying Kurtz Alman, where I worked for about 11 years. So there I was really focused on hardcore supply chain consulting for the majority of my time there. I was doing distribution center design, warehouse management system implementations, supply chain strategy, process improvement type work, really heavily into that part of the world. And then towards the end of my time there, I was starting to work in the more uh, customer-facing systems and in some uh, more retail strategy type work. Uh, and it was at the end of that 11-year period, then uh, I went over to uh, Alex Partners and I was there for about six years. And there I pivoted into uh, much more of a focus on um, digital, first building on kind of the operational background, but very quickly uh, working um, around digital strategy uh, digital business transformation, then started to do a bunch of work in digital marketing, which then became marketing. And then for kind of the last chapter of my time at Alex Partners, I started to get really heavy, heavy into kind of like, I would call it like interim leadership type gigs. So spent time in interim, interim leadership at Radio Shack, Toys uh, R Us. And then, you know, my last client uh, at Alex Partners uh, was Gap Inc., where it was kind of a mix of everything that I was doing at Alex Partners and had a really good time uh, working with that group. And uh, they kind of just didn't let me leave. So I so I stayed <laughs> and it uh, made the jump uh, in-house at that point. So at that point, I was living with my family in Florida. We moved out uh, to the West Coast um, and spent uh, a couple of years in role uh, with the Gap team uh, really proud of the work uh, that we did there, helping to kind of reorient the organization, um, rebuild the platform, um, and turn around the the commercial performance. So uh, the team was able to grow digital sales by over a billion dollars in those couple of years at Gap after not growing at all the previous couple of years. And at that point, I started uh, talking uh, to the folks at Tapestry, and I thought this whole uh, turning around uh, a giant multi-brand was was just too easy. So what I needed to do <laughs> was come the tapestry and and take uh, a roll up of three brands and and work with the team to kind of uh, let's call it rebuild digital. So the the thesis there was kind of building a digital startup inside of a Fortune 500 uh, company. And so that that's what we've been doing. So uh, a tapestry, somewhat similar similar role to what I was doing with Gap Inc., with a family of brands, but my responsibilities fundamentally around uh, helping to lead our teams around digital sales and engagement, as well as the kind of like omni-technologically enabled touch points. I think that that's a very logical career progression. I mean, from management training to into consulting, it, it 
the steps were very, were very logical. So, and definitely an interesting background. It sounds like everything kind of built on, built on each other. And I want to kind of talk a little bit about what, what you've been doing at Tapestry because Tapestry has had a period of rapid growth, particularly in digital, according to your recent financial reporting, digital has grown to 1.6 billion in annual sales. And this is a 90% plus growth compared to the prior year. And you just reported that digital sales as a percentage of revenue is nearly four times pre-pandemic levels. So talk about how you accomplish this type of acceleration. I can't imagine that that was easy. Yeah, I mean, this this digital thing might have some some merit in, <laughs> in staying power. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers sound great. We're very proud of the, you know, the work we've been doing and the results that we've been able to communicate externally. But it just, it, you know, fundamentally starts with, you know, having a, a, a vision as a leadership team, right? That we could grow these channels. Yeah, the, like the revenue, like everyone will talk about the sales, but it, it's really about both engagement and of course, ultimately driving, you know, omni revenue. The, you know, the early innings were, were less commercially focused, but really more about just, okay, let, let's take stock of the landscape. Let's take a customer centric view, kind of take a clean sheet approach. And, you know, just recognize where on an omni basis, you know, where and how we can meet the customer where she's at and really leaning into that. And then from there, looking at those opportunities, what those touch points were and, and how we thought we could play to our strengths and, and create, you know, a more um, engaging set of experiences for our customer. Then, you know, then it's about building and delivering. So for, for us about building our digital platform, uh, people will always emphasize the tech side of, of platforms, but you know, we've been pretty emphatic that our, our platform is people, process, and technology, you know, all, all in equal and complementary parts. And that's enabled us to develop and scale our go-to-market activities and our and our best practices. And you know, you, you start to get things going and you and you build that flywheel and the and the results begin to grow because you're you're giving the customer what she wants when she wants it. You know, Noam, you and I have some parallels in our career. I started in business to business marketing with cups, actually, you know, paper disposable paper cup business. Fascinating business, actually, when you get into it. Um, and then it's all about I worked, the nesting. It's all about the it, nesting of the cups. It, it, and hoop strength. It's hoop strength as well, yeah. if you want to get into yeah. the details. And then uh, with uh, Levi Strauss, so I launched their first e commerce, so uh, jeans to, to the gap and kind of the peril. And then with Hudson's Bay and in Canada, Hudson's Bay had five banners at the time. So we were trying to manage that portfolio online as well, like walk yep. that. And the last kind of parallel is, you know, Hudson's Bay, 1670. This was like 20 years, dragging them, kicking and screaming into the digital era. Uh, talk about, about that. So, you're, you know, Veronica talked about the success. You're having great success today. When you, when you first swung the door at Tapestry and walked in, what was that like? And how did you approach kind of, okay, listen, we're going to take this business and we're going to move it forward significantly. How did how did you approach that? And and you know how did you maintain? Which is a lot about culture. How did you maintain a cultural to keep the momentum behind the digital transformation you described? You know, day day one was uh, was interesting. Uh, you know, it was it was planned, but as I came in, I had you know, brands and digital IT and kind of like a dotted line structure, and then my my straight line structure was, didn't exist was was undefined. Right, because what 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 had to be done was thinking about okay, this platform, this people, process, technology, like mm. what is the game plan? Um, you know, I've, I've been doing this work for a fair amount of time, 
and came from another multi-brand. Um, but at the end of the day, it was about defining um, how we wanted to go about it. And you know, you, you've got existing organizations and varied strengths across brands, uh, heritage in terms of where they yeah. play, where they've invested yeah. from a platform perspective. And so you know, ultimately had to kind of sift through the pieces and parts, working with the other leaders in the organization uh, to define you know, what that strategy was going to be, right? And to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, a big piece of it is, you know, how do you think about approaching that? What are the first steps? Um, and then, you know, as you start to build uh, the team and, you know, the first piece is defining, okay, you know, where, where are you going to put the pieces and parts? So, you know, what is going to be shared? Because yeah. as an entity, you know, just like your HBC example, right? Uh, you know, we view ourselves as, you know, a platform for brands. So, you know, what what is the stuff that needs to be shared? What is the stuff that's fundamentally distinct? And how do you build the organization around it? Once, once you get that clarity around, okay, generally, you know, what are going to be the functions and where they reside? Then you get into building race C. Then you get into defining KPIs. And, you know, mm. those are kind of the basic table stakes of then building and scaling a, a, a team. And then, And then you get into, you know, how do you build culture? And this is kind of continuous because, of course, the company already exists. So there's there's a a bit of culture that you're inheriting both broadly within the organization and then in in various uh, brands or functions, there can be quite distinct culture. So you're taking the pieces of that and you're also Mm -hmm. trying to define the culture that you want to have. And when you're creating Uh, or expanding a function and you're trying to create, you know, differential outcomes, you're trying to do transformation, you know, it's, it's somewhat implicit that you're going to be creating some, you know, distinct elements of culture that you're looking to deliver. So, so for us, you know, a big piece of it was, you know, talking about from the beginning, customer centricity, uh, data driven with brands like ours, there's a lot of elements of, creativity and emotion and those are very critical components of how mm-hmm. you know brands like ours go to market but yeah. then how do you underpin data and science and test and learn frameworks to start to create um winning strategies that you can demonstrate or helping to move things forward and then creating uh, a velocity around it If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss another great episode. We'll be right back with our interview with Noam Peransky from Tapestry right after this important message. Bloomreach is the world's number one e-commerce experience cloud, empowering brands to deliver customer journeys so personalized they feel like magic. It offers a suite of products that drive true personalization and digital commerce growth, including Discovery, offering AI-driven search and merchandising, Content, offering a headless CMS, and Engagement, offering a leading CDP and marketing automation solution. Together, these solutions combine the power of unified customer and product data with the speed and scale of AI optimization, enabling digital commerce experiences that convert on any channel and every journey. Learn more at bloomreach.com. That's bloomreach.com. But that cultural evolution and transformation is kind of ever present. Um, And then, you know, we're trying to we're trying to 
we're trying to continue to help the organization to think bigger, unconstrained, customer centric, you know, heavy in customer empathy. And that continues to allow us to, to create a, a flywheel where we continue to develop new strategies, new experiences. And with the right frameworks, it allows us to scientifically continue to to win in terms of the, you know, the outcomes mm. that we set, whether it's, you know, more traffic or more customers or yeah. more conversion, but allowing people to, to focus on those goals and enabling them to accomplish those activities. So many questions. Uh, Cause I've, I, you know, I've lived some of these lives. I, I love when you brought up the racy part. I mean, you know, you've, you walk into an organization with leadership already in place, as you mentioned, careers already established people working yep. for many years and, and I loved how you you touched on. Listen, these brands exist because they're strong, iconic brands in and of themselves. If they start to to water down, they lose the distinctness in their category of the brands. Is is racy? You know, this this who's responsible, who's accountable? Is that kind of the playbook on a day to day basis? Because I'm sure. I mean, I got into challenges where you know, as digital, uh, who who owns promotional elements to the customer because we don't want to do. And you've got you've got wholesale, you've got DTC, and then you've got digital. So there's always, as you say, it's very dynamic and always evolving. Is that is that framework you've just outlined? Is that the key to kind of moving forward? I'm sure there's ongoing discussions in a very you know strong, strong brand, strong wills, uh, lots of talented people to uh, to harness together in the right direction. Yeah, as you're you saying. know, I, a racy or some other framework that helps give a, you know a, a general level of understanding of what like people's capabilities are, like you know roadmap, how they're yeah. you know how they're expected to to engage around. Um, activities or functions like that that's foundational that's table stakes that's definitely not the secret sauce because you can put stuff on paper all day long it is it is fundamentally about with that foundation how you get cross-functional and in in for us as well you know cross-brand teams working together it's it's the the spirit and the intent of the scrum how those teams are motivated how empowered they are that that is the secret sauce. Now you got to have the right strategy and alignment at a at a leadership level, um, but it is in doing the work that the organization actually pushes forward. The the racy, you know, has has to has to reflect how you want to get the work done, and you want that to evolve as necessary. Um, but you want you want the teams continuing to prioritize what and how they are doing things against, you know, clear outcomes and, and objectives that they're empowered uh, to drive. So, you know, that, I think in any organization I've seen, that's the key. It is easy to say it right in the day in, day out it is, you know, it is far harder to have that, you know, kind of ideal day-to-day outcome, but that, that is the process of transformation, right? So if the teams have the psychological uh, safety to state their opinions, the remit to evolve in a clear strategy and guardrails that they can work within. They can keep pushing the ball forward. But the but the you know the racy serves its purpose, especially when you're making larger organizational design decisions. So that it gives people some stakes in the ground. But it's it's just the beginning of that journey. That must be like a great. Think for the team to be able, able to have so much empowerment and and also I loved earlier when you said it was like you know help them kind of think beyond their limits because so much time when you're in companies they're always like work within these constraints and then they wonder like why the growth is limited where you're just like 
let us remove the constraints. And if you didn't have them, you know, what could be possible? What could yeah. we do? Like really get creative. That's that, that, that has to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, it's very interesting, right? It's, um, you know, teams want to need guardrails to a, to a certain extent because otherwise things are so expansive and ambiguous yeah. that, that, you know, people find it very difficult to understand like, well, what, what space should I occupy? What am I, what am I here to do? But then, you know, those guardrails can, can, can often become barriers. And so, you know, in a, in a complex global multi-brand organization like ours, it is this constant opportunity to eliminate barriers and empower while giving people and, and letting them help to design the guardrails that they do occupy within which they are you know, reasonably free of constraint, or if there is a barrier or constraint, that they are able to escalate that and their problem can become my problem or another leader's to then go solve. You know, very, very, very difficult to do in practice, right? But that, I think that is the constant you know, opportunity that we and other you know, large organizations have to you know, continue uh, to evolve, but yeah, it's it's those it's those barriers that you know in legacy companies can often keep them from becoming successful in the digital arena because it moves, you know, the space moves fast because the customer moves fast. So I think the more adept you are at eliminating the barriers and and creating the clarity around the guardrails, that can allow you to have the velocity to to gain share in the marketplace. Now, talking about market share, um, in your recent earnings, Tapestry CEO Joanne Crevasera said, and, and I'm quoting her here just for one second, we sharpened our focus on the consumer, leaned into digital and data, and became a more agile organization. And you're talking a lot about that. But, you know, what does it mean in practical terms? How did the organization evolve to kind of meet that need or that result? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we talked about some of it as, as super high level, right? But engaging engaging the customer where she's at and directly with her. We historically had, you know, kind of more like religiously defined rules of what we did or didn't do that was based on kind of like our heritage of activities versus, you know, really digging in the data and saying, well, where is she? How do we want to engage with her? What's, you know, what's effective? Um, you know, whether it is, um, something about you know how we build experiences and and test and learn right that's that's all data driven in terms of okay where do we you know if we look at a journey or a funnel where do we see the opportunity what do you know what does our competitive landscape look like what does our you know research with consumers tell us and then you know building experiences and then and then testing and learning against it um, it can be something akin to you know how we think about um, measuring the impact of our marketing investments, you know, moving from, you know, kind of legacy ways of looking at it, like last click demand to, you know, developing, you know, a clear view of for every dollar of marketing that we put in, how much profit does it generate and in where. So, you know, leveraging econometric and multi-touch attribution frameworks to help guide um, those decisions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, wherever we are, you know, touching and wherever we're working this transformation, it is it is fundamentally about developing a fact base, right? Those guardrails of, you know, where do we want to play and what do we want to accomplish from a from a goal and objective perspective? And then how are we integrating data into that process? 
And I think for an organization like ours, it is, it is um, injecting that science and that data to then couple with that, you know, kind of art piece that our brands and our teams have been so, you know, adept with over the years. So kind of, you know, building a strength to complement um, a pre-existing strength is, you know, really, I think how it, you know, how it comes into practice. Because at the end of the day, you know, especially when it's around consumer engagement, campaigns, creative feelings that you're trying to create with the consumer, um, you know, there is kind of, um, you know, that that magical piece. Teams have hypotheses and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a view of, okay, this is how we think we can bring it to life. And then how do we use data to support those decisions and to corroborate that, yes, we're on the right path and this is what we're going to do. And this is the best way to invest in the storyline or traffic the storyline and, and to help drive the outcomes forward. It sounds like almost like a democratization of data, just making it more readily available to everyone and, and getting them in the practice of referencing that as part of their decision-making and validation of their assumptions. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely accurate. I think, you know, it, it goes back to a little bit of the guardrail piece, but it's, it's yes, democratizing data, but also helping the teams to align on how to read and interpret the data, not to the exclusion of creativity around, you know, doing analysis, but just making sure that it's the same sheet of music of, yes, our goals are this, this is the way to look at the data or the cycle. These are not the ways that we prescribe looking at the data because sometimes, you know, legacy metrics or legacy ways of, uh, of doing analysis, I think can lead people down the wrong path. So I think it's aligning on that. And then yes, empowering the teams with the data at their fingertips to assess what they're doing, uh, to take action, to advocate for ideas and to collaborate around the data. And again, mixing that, you know, logic with the magic that, that you know, our brands and our creative teams uh, are able to bring to the table. Yeah. And, and I guess just on kind of borrowing from that point for a second, you know, the business is obviously, we've talked about it. It's been around for a long time. You have a storied brand heritage. You've now kind of empowered the team with a lot of data and ways of looking at it. How did you work with marketing to evolve their actual programs? I'm assuming you're doing a lot more marketing in like digital channels compared to maybe like print compared to before, but I'm sure it's much deeper than that. Yeah. I mean, you know, (laughs) if you think about, you know, go to market around your, your marketing programs, I mean, it can be very um, expansive, but uh, again, number one, it's, you know, where are we going to play? And with that being kind of um, customer led versus, um, you know, historically, historical activity led. And so uh, that certainly shifted, um, you know, one kind of where we started to play, but also and we and we've been public in, in saying this uh, as well. We, we've, we've increased our marketing investment significantly. You know, it, it's about being able to um, invest in the storytelling of the brands profitably. So, you know, the first piece was just thinking about reshaping. Potentially in the past, the conversation would have been, well, you must choose. It's an or. And a lot of what we talk about is, well, what's the and? So how is this building on top of this, building on top of this, so that the total pie of what we're looking to do is greater and the outcomes um, that we can drive are greater. But, you know, I think there's still a very important uh, set of messages around the brand and the campaigns and the go-to-market strategies 
But then, you know, we've overlaid a pretty robust full funnel planning process that is very data driven in service to the brand strategies and go to market objectives. And then, you know, continuing on the customer centric theme, you know, a lot of focus as well around life cycle. So, you know, we've been public around, you know, all of these kind of, you know, very fantastic numbers around new customers that we bought into the brand, but that's, but that's the first step. Then it's about, you know, how do we make lifelong, you know, fans and participants in our brand as, as we brought them in uh, for the first time transactionally. And so a lot of focus now continues to go into, okay, how do we lean into that um, and have that, you know, lifelong engagement and storytelling um, to complement, you know, the big brand campaigns that, of course, continue to exist. So, you know, we're, we're developing a kind of more matrixed and, and um, latticed approach to how we think about the storytelling, the engagement, the strategies, and then the outcomes, and just working on that together as we think about our, our platform. But ultimately, it's all about the customer and how do we get more engagement? How do we build more brand advocacy, more brand love uh, with her? That's mm-hmm. the that's the key. Well, you've done an amazing job of taking us into the tradecraft and culture and, and organization of Tapestry. Let's talk about you for a while. Uh, one of the things we like to focus on in our podcast is is the people and their careers. You've had a, a such an interesting background or career. And is there any part of that journey that you would look back and say, ah, maybe I would have done that differently. Maybe that was a mistake. Um, any advice uh, that you've got that around that or you could share with the listeners around, you know, you've had that journey from B2B through to consulting and then you've kind of found a sweet spot, so to speak, in, in an organization uh, helping them move forward. Any Anything you would have done differently as you look back? So, so many things. But, but at the end of the day, <laughs> those things that you would learn differently, you could also describe as is as lessons learned. I mean, I guess if I if I think about some kind of like thematics of what I think informed by the many, 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 many mistakes that I've made and continue <laughs> to make on a on a daily basis, you know, a transformation like ours or just leadership generally is about people, mm-hmm. right? So um, no one can do the work themselves. So you know, you got to figure out how to like serve and nourish. The teams and, you know, different teams do have different needs. You know, our, our teams here, some of them are quite new and I think we're still learning like what, mm. what really motivates them. And that's of course, at the macro level. And then, you know, individuals yeah. have very different needs. You know, I, I try to build environments where it's, it's an intense learning, being able to get stuff done environment. And, right. and hopefully for the people that I'm recruiting, like that's what they're looking for. Cause I try right. to be upfront about it. That's um, the, intrin- the intrinsic reward basically versus the extrinsic reward is, is that learning, that deep learning and intense learning experience. Right? The, the deep learning and then being able to do stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are in environments where the amount they can do is quite limited. And so my hope with kind of trying to do, you know, velocity around activities that they can do quite a bit, but, but there is that balance, right? That people are looking for, like, hey, not not this much. I didn't. I wasn't signing up for this much. I was signing up for more <laughs> something in in between, right? So, you know, well, I mean, trying like, to yeah. you know, trying to trying to furnish that for them, and then you know, through that being a talent magnet for like those kinds of people, because that's the kind of culture and output that we're trying to create. But you know, being able to tell that story, 
you know, interview for that and match people up. That's, that's kind of like the secret sauce. So, right. So, yeah. you know, the lesson, you know, learned over time is just like trying to be really clear about that because for X mm. percent of the population, that's exactly what they're looking for. And for Y yeah. percent, it's, it's, you know, by definition, um, not, um, I think the other thing that I've seen over the years, you know, I hear that some people and organizations like aren't so great with their partners. For me, the mm. partners are part of the organization. You may not have as much direct influence and control, but then again, I've I've got a lot of matrixed relationships and and teams I have to to lead uh, yeah. through a fair amount of influence, and the partners are key because they have huge resources, and uh, you know many of them are very well funded, and they can move really quickly. And the partners, at least that I tend to gravitate towards, generally have a great playbook. So they they know how to succeed in in activity or function X. And they bring a broad landscape outside yeah, of your yeah, organization, right? Because they're talking to a bunch of, other, bunch of yeah, people. They're working yeah, with a bunch yeah, of yeah. other people, so they, they know what's yeah. going on. And so I think, you know, really being a great partner, bending over backwards with partners is mm. is key. And then, you know, maybe, you know, the last thing that I've learned or seen or have seen, or that I think has served uh, me well over the years um, is this idea of, I guess I would call it like fact-based resilience. Yeah. And I think, I think I really learned this quite a bit at, at Alex partners, but it's about, it's about doing the right analysis so you can set a stretch goal that is rooted in fact and can be achieved, but then you must commit. Like you will, you will get that result no matter what. I've learned more often than not, it, you can achieve it. Now, I, I mean, everyone's got to develop their, their competence in, in doing that underlying analysis to set that target. Yeah. But I've seen, you know, teams able to consistently deliver. They don't always believe it at first, right? but they can. It's a windy um, path. Some I'm sure some yeah. it's a windy path, right? It's not always yeah. the linear yeah. point comes, A through. Some comes easy. Yeah. Some of it comes yeah. easy and some of it's really hard. But you know, I think if you can help teams understand and start to build that confidence that I, I can't set a goal that I, I would not have months ago, years ago believed was possible, but I can, you know, lead this team or that team, you know, someone in your organization believes that they can and will deliver that outcome. More often than not, they can. And, right. and I think that's super powerful for teams and, and organizations. And I think some of the higher performing organizations, like that's, that's core of their DNA. But in a lot of legacy companies, that, that kind of thinking is, is um, not well enrolled. Yeah. You got to shake off the rust sometimes, right? And think it is possible. It can be done uh, all informed by data. All right. Speaking of informed by data, that's, looking a little at what you do today. Let's cast your mind five years. You and I are having a coffee together five years from today. Talk about not necessarily your role at Tapestry per se, but what does it look like in five years? Is it, you know, someone who's just a master, a wizard of algorithms, or is there still brand and essence? And as you say, a lot about people and process, not just about technology. Imagine five years from today, what, what would we be talking about? I think I think everyone's roles are going to evolve, but um, you know, in terms in terms of this like digital position, I would like to think if those of us who are in this seat currently are successful, 
um, the role melts away into something else. It, it either gets mm-hmm. consumed by the other roles or, you know, you've seen some of these uh, CDO positions uh, recently evolving to like chief customer officers. And, you know, at the, at the heart of what I'm trying to do is customer centric transformation anyway. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of take any which title. Um, but I think if, if the CDO role melts away, that will mean, mm. you know, at least in the context of retail, that would probably indicate that organizations have, you know, more natively embedded digital thinking oh, and activities into mm. their every day. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, you know, legacy organizations in particular are nowhere near that. Um, so the, you know, the CDO in the context of, um, uh, how I do it and how others do it, I think will look like that. You also have some CDOs who are kind of like chief analytics type folks. And I think, I think, I think those roles will, will, will definitely continue. And then in terms of, uh, CMOs, I think, you know, you've got this, um, you know, interesting dichotomy in the skill set around the CMO where, you know, they have to help with the, the kind of like brand strategy and direction, the storytelling, the creative output. That's one side of the brain. And then the other side of the brain, you know, the role is becoming ever more analytically intense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if, if that role bifurcates a bit where perhaps the analytical pieces go more into like the, you know, head of analytics and then uh, the storytelling goes more into like, you know, chief creative officer type positions um, you're also seeing the the growth of this like chief brand officer role. So I think I think there's some evolution there, but I think it is this you know very difficult dichotomy to manage of being so strong, be able to lead creative organizations and tell the story of of brands, while at the same time essentially being a data scientist. But it's a lot to ask of of one person. But I like kind of that vision that you painted that eventually you know digital will fall into the background or all organizations will become kind of, or at least the ones that survive will become digital by default. And then, you know, it's like managing the customer or managing the brand or managing the data, but not so much like a chief digital officer. Yeah. Well, this has been such an interesting conversation and Noam, you know, every time we connect, you're always asking me if I've got great folks to help continue to scale your organization. So this yes, is a great opportunity. <laughs> uh, so you've talked about what you're looking for, but maybe specifics about roles and where people can learn more about opportunities at Tapestry. We are hiring for everything, uh, you know, generally <laughs> at, the, at the more mid-levels and, and below, but you know, every once in a while that you know, opportunities uh, open up. But we're looking for folks every, you know, it, it, as, as we think about digital and as we plan it out, um, you know, there are areas that kind of are more directly managing, like, you know, product management and UX and, you know, the, some of the, you know, tactical digital marketing stuff. But, you know, we also need great, you know, to continue to build our roster in terms of great uh, digital creatives. Um, you know, our supply chain logistics team is building up because as we grow our, our sales channels, we have to expand our distribution network and become ever more sophisticated in how we think about, you know, inventory and positioning. So, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, in the brand digital teams around, um, you know, site uh, merchandising and optimization, um, you know, we've got, we've got openings uh, pretty much anywhere. So if anyone is interested in 
being in a brand or central uh, digital organization or being, you know, it's called digitally adjacent or a, or a creative contributor, um, we are looking for you. Um, certainly folks can uh, do one of two things like open formal rules are always posted on our uh, Tapestry corporate website and it's defined whether the role is um, in corporate or in one of the brands and in the U.S. or, or internationally. Uh, and folks are also very welcome to reach out to me or any of our other leaders. We love engaging and talking to talent and hearing, you know, what's going on, what they're thinking. Um, you know, whether we've got a role currently open or not, we we love getting to know people. So please, you know, don't hesitate uh, to reach out on the talent side. That doesn't mean vendors send me 100 emails because you always <laughs> send 100 emails. I see them. I see them. Uh, but we're always happy to talk to to emerging talent. And it sounds like a great opportunity just with a lot of autonomy and being able to kind of drive um, some real meaningful impact in, in, a, in a big brand. Well, awesome, Noam. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us Thanks for a having peek me. into... Yeah, it's been so great to learn about the digital transformation and your career. I learned a lot from this. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Take care, all. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Conversations with Commerce Next. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform, where we will be sharing career advice and marketing strategies from e-commerce and digital marketing leaders at retailers and direct-to-consumer brands each and every episode. Commerce Next is a community, event series, and conference for marketers at retail and direct-to-consumer brands. Through our online forums, interviews, webinars, summits, and other in-person events, we harness the collective wisdom of our community to help marketers grow their businesses and advance their careers. Join Commerce Next events to meet other industry leaders and learn the latest e-commerce and marketing strategies. You can find upcoming events at commercenext.com. Have a fantastic week, everyone.